0: Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. So I want to ask you a question. Have you tried to lose weight before? I'm guessing you've probably tried loads of times. In the beginning, you ate less, trained harder, and lost weight. And it really worked for you at the start. Am I right? But... For most of us warrior women out there, that beginning period doesn't last. We start to see that our amazing bodies and physiology are actually really complex. We realize that what worked in our training and health before might not be working so good right now. We are not getting the results that we want. We have no energy. Our hormones seem to be... Chaotic, our mood is on a roller coaster, and we've actually put on weight. And we're asking ourselves, what the hell is happening? Well, how you go about losing fat is everything. Jessica Ash is the queen of helping women learn how to work with their bodies. She recently did a YouTube series on hormonally respectful fat loss, and if you haven't watched it, you need to. The link to that series is in the show notes below. So I had to get her on the podcast to talk about how you lose fat in a healthy, sustainable way, in a way that respects your hormones, and what does that even mean? This was the first time she's spoken about this very important topic on a podcast, which is really cool. Uh, So in this episode, we chat about loads of things. We talk about why the words that we use matter, you know, and why we really need to change this language that we use around losing weight uh, to getting really clear and understanding that it's actually fat mass. That we want to lose. Then we talk about what does hormonally respectful fat loss actually mean? So we break down, you know, those four key words. How do we know if our body is healthy and why is having a healthy body really important for fat loss and changing our body composition? How do we create this stability and this health in our body before we look at losing fat We talk about what is fat, you know, why do we need it? And then we dive into, okay, so how do we lose fat mass in this healthy, sustainable way? What does that look like? Where do I even start with it? And then we finish off our conversation talking a little bit about PCOS and losing fat. And we finish, you know, with this beautiful... Uh, conversation around, you know, we can go into this health journey, this healing journey with one goal and that it is totally okay to come out of that journey with a completely different goal. And that's really, you know, the, the focus of Jess and my work is to, you know, move you away from maybe this language that you're using or this goal that you have uh, this this one key sole goal uh, around you know changing your body composition losing weight uh, to move through that and come out of that you know wanting a different goal wanting to feel well and vital and have energy and nourished and stable wanting to be strong and confident and certain in your body this was, you know, probably my favorite conversation that I've had on the podcast. Well, it'd be up there, you know, in the top three. She is a gem of a human. She's got this wicked sense of humor that she brings into her work, which I love. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. I think, you know, it's, it's a gem of a topic that needs to be talked about more. Again, you know, if you don't follow her on the gram, go and do it. Uh, Grab her free training on balancing your blood sugar and join her YouTube channel. She has created this really cool YouTube channel. She's got amazing series on there. Uh, So go watch it and remember to tag me with your key takeaways from this episode. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the biggest takeaway, the thing that resonated with you the most, this is a hot topic. We've been talking about losing weight for decades. Uh, And this is, you know, it's so powerful. If we can change the language, if we can understand our physiology, if we can learn how to do it in a healthy, sustainable way, if we can use a proper process and method, well, It's going to change our lives. I believe this is changing lives. Okay, Warrior Woman, enjoy this key conversation with Jessica, Ash, and I on hormonally respectful fat loss. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles, and training with them Is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition, and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard, and we should all feel strong and confident. So, this is your go to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this.
1: I'm so excited. (laughs) no one has had me on a podcast to talk about this yet so i'm excited
0: oh really yeah you're you're, you're the first okay i'm the first i'm the <laughs> first one to have jess ash on to talk about hormonally respectful weight loss jess welcome
1: thank you so much for having me i'm so excited
0: <laughs> i'm so excited uh when i first saw you uh put this out on your youtube I thought, I have to get you on because I watched them and I thought no one has presented the information like this before when it comes to fat loss. So I'm so excited today to talk through the roadmap or the journey.
1: Oh yeah, me too. I love talking through this because it's, it's an important reminder for me as well as um, women everywhere.
0: Yeah, so look, I, lo- I even love the title, Hormonally Respectful Fat Loss. Can you just talk me through, like, what that means to you? Like, how you even came up with the title for the series? Yeah, so
1: I... Uh, As I've grown on social media, and even when I started social media, I've always lived by the motto that words matter and the words that we use matter. I, like growing up, I was an avid reader. I love to read. I love words and I love, you know, big words and vocabulary. And I do believe, and I continue to believe that what we promote and the words that we use totally matters. You know, just saying something flippantly like weight loss can lead people down a huge road of misinformation. And here we are today. And so I try to use words in a way that helps women reshape how they think about a process or how they think about their body. And so, you know, when we want balanced hormones, we usually want to achieve balanced hormones, but we also want to achieve fat loss. And it's totally okay to want to change the shape and the aesthetic of your body to look stronger, to look leaner, to have muscle tone or be toned as we like to call it. But it's also really important to be hormonally respectful. And I hate using the word weight loss, even though sometimes I'll, I will slip up. I'm human and I use the term weight loss. But at the end of the day, I don't necessarily just want to lose weight. I don't want to lose my bones. I don't want to lose my liver. I don't want to lose brain mass or muscle mass. If I'm losing any type of weight or, or the weight's going down on the scale, that better only be fat. And if it's not fat, then I'm not doing something properly, and I'm not respecting my body in that way. It's, it's having to move things around in order to achieve homeostasis or balance. So when we lose fat and when we change the aesthetic of our body, we want it to be hormonally respectful and keep our hormones in mind because at the end of the day, our body is fighting for balance. So we should make it easier for our body to maintain that balance.
0: Yes. And, you know, a lot of women will step on the scales and when they use the words or the language, it is weight loss. And can we just talk a little bit about, you mentioned like your bones and certain things. Can we just talk a little bit about body composition and why just stepping on the scale, you know, weekly or fortnightly is not actually really helpful. (laughs)
1: Right, right. And, you know, I think the scale can be an okay tool if you're in the right mindset. But I believe that a lot of women are just obsessed with the high almost that they get when they, when the scale moves. And we've been totally trained by society, like little dogs to like, if the scale moves down, oh, goop good, good job. You get your gold coins. Oh, it's up like, Oh, be depressed all day, you know? And that is not the way to use the scale. And that, because the scale does not really represent our body composition all that much, you know, our bones weigh a lot, our whole musculoskeletal system, like weighs a good amount. Like I would say around 50 pounds, depending on your size and your, your height, um, you know, our organs weigh something, you know, our heart and our liver, um, our gut, like our, our all of our digestive organs, our brain, our central nervous system. Like those are things that we don't really want to lose. And the, our actual fat cells themselves will actually fill or empty depending on our environment and all of the signals we're sending our body fuel, et cetera. And so, you know, when we talk about body composition, we need to be really careful where that weight is coming from because the female body doesn't actually like to really get rid of stored fuel or what we've put into our, in our fat stores for later. And our body is much more likely to actually get rid of certain things that it kind of deems unnecessary for survival. So if we, we were in a famine or we were running from an angry bear, you know, we don't need our hair. We don't really need a ton of muscle mass, actually like muscle is a liability. It's not actually um, going to benefit us in, in a lot of ways. So those are actually things that tend to go first when our body is in, in in any type of stressed out state.
0: Yeah. So can we just talk about like, what is fat and why do we need it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So fat is interesting because fat that we eat and the fat on our body are two separate things. And we tend to think that they are the same thing. They kind of have a similar look because, you know, you've seen lard or the fat of an animal tallow that, you know, that comes from the fat of an animal. So they do have a similar structure. However, that's not the only thing that's stored in our fat cells. So our fat cells will open up. They, a lot of them can expand, expand pretty, pretty greatly. Um, some, like I would say the average is about 10 times their size, but depending on where it is on your body, that could be more or less. So certain areas that can expand a lot more would be like in our abdominal area, belly fat area. Um, Then we have like the back of the arms. That can be a great storage zone. And then also like our hips, our thighs and our, our butt. And so if you notice like when people do gain weight. They tend to gain weight in those areas. And then there are certain areas that might get a little bit bigger or padded, but not as much as those areas, because that's really where our fat cells, um, or the majority of our fat cells are. And then our body will actually store free fatty acids in there. Um, as as well as glucose, it can store all types of things. And then we can also put different like types of fat soluble toxins and hormones in the fat cells. And the fat cells themselves are generators, they can, they can make certain hormones, um, specifically estrogen tends to come from the fat cells a lot. So they're kind of like, these really misunderstood (laughs) cells. Um, And we do need a good amount. So there are different types of fat cells. Um, Women, I like to bring awareness to, like women tend to have, we have one, a good layer of fat between our muscles and our skin. It's kind of what leads to women when they're healthy, having a a kind of a plumpness or like a a little bit more softness to their curves, even the most fit women are going to have a little bit more of a softness than a man. And that's just because we have that like extra backup layer of fat. And we do not want to lose that. Once we lose that, that is a sign that our body is literally eating itself. It is in that catabolic state. Um, but then different women need a different level of, of stored fuel to feel safe. So that's going to run anywhere. I hate giving numbers, but usually that's going to run anywhere, like on an average from 20 to 30% body fat. And that's going to depend on a lot of things like history, um, especially history with dieting, also um, hormonal profile at the time, you know, hormones change, seasons of life change um, from being like early after puberty to then kind of in your prime childbearing years. to then when you are pregnant to when you are breastfeeding to when you are you know, perimenopausal, that's going to shift how your body stores fat. And that's going to be different for everyone. Um, but we all need a certain amount of body fat to maintain our hormonal balance and also just maintain, um, our overall like mineral balance and nutrient balance and also our um, body heat. So that's going to be a little bit different for everyone.
0: Yeah. So when we speak about this hormonally respectful piece, are we looking at, uh, like you said, creating that homeostasis or balancing the hormones, or creating this healthy body first before we even look at changing that body composition or losing fat mass.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people, because and this is where we're, you know, what we're discussing is very contrary to society because most of society would say that you need to lose that extra weight in order to be healthy, and you should do that at all costs. Right. And so people say like, Oh, this is my health journey. And they're spending, you know, three hours on the treadmill and they're eating salads and they're like, Oh, I'm losing all this fat, you know, and I'm like 50 pounds down. And it's like, how you go about losing the fat is everything. And we just discussed, like there's a lot of different things stored in those fat cells. And when you force the body to open up fat cells rapidly under duress, meaning that it literally does not have the fuel to function, unless it opens those the, the, the fat cells up fast. The problem with that is what comes out of those fat cells, the body has to do something with it. And oftentimes the free fatty acids that are stored in the fat cells are the fats that the body didn't want to use first. So that's gonna be a lot of times polyunsaturated fats. Um, sometimes monounsaturated, but they're mostly going to be unsaturated fats. Um, and our body likes to use saturated fats first. So that's the problem is when you're rapidly opening up fat cells under duress, you are usually flooding the bloodstream with polyunsaturated fats. And that of course is going to result in lots of lipid peroxidation, which is just oxidation of fats, um, causing lots of free radicals and inflammation. And this, this has to happen regardless of when you open up fat cells. I'm not saying that this is not a process that, you know, an unfortunate process that has to occur when you have stored fat. The problem is, is when you're doing it rapidly and under duress, you've seen people that have lost like the biggest loser, for example, you know, that lose hundred pounds. They look, they have all this loose skin. They look like they've aged, you know, 15 years. And this is what happened to them. They have, you know, they, their body was literally burning all of these fats that were not heat stable or oxygen stable or light stable and it it resulted in, in a lot of aging and a lot of inflammation. And so to, to do this properly, you know, fat loss takes work. Fat loss is really a a very actually hard process for the body requires energy and requires a strong metabolism, good liver, um, good digestion. And so before you approach fat loss, it's a good idea to try to achieve as much homeostasis as possible and as much balance in the body, as much cell, you know, get your cells as robust as they possibly can before actually actively opening up those fat cells. And then when you do, you know, attempt fat loss, do it in a way that is sustainable and slow so that you're opening up those fat cells slowly. And so your body can actually, you know, handle what's coming out of them. Um, and mitigate the stressors that that are coming out of those fat cells
0: okay there's a lot in that all right so i'd love if you could speak about how you know we can support our body to find that homeostasis what does that look like what am i looking for uh in my body or my signs or my markers to maybe yeah. let me know that you know my body's functioning pretty well and now I could start to look at losing fat mass in a healthy sustainable way and then the second piece of this that's where I want to dive into like how do we even start you know to lose weight uh, or lose fat in a yeah. healthy sustainable way yeah so the
1: We really want to be to a point where we're feeling good. And so I like to say, at least our monthly report card is doing well. So our period, first and foremost, is is good. We have very little PMS. Um, We're not having like a super heavy flow or a super like weird flow where we're like spotting a lot. And then all of a sudden it just like is just irregular. Um, we also need a regular ovulation. So that would be like, I would say the blaring thing. And a lot of women, once they start tracking their ovulation and their period, they realize like me, I'm not doing super well in this place. So That would be something that you would want to balance first, um, because the cycle is often the first thing to take a hit when we start to add a little bit of stress to our plate. And then I would say the second marker that's really important is body temperature. Um, Pulse as well. Pulses are really good. I like to look at body temperature as like the main the main kahunas, but then the pulse kind of gives us context because sometimes temperatures can lie and we are really running on stress and not don't have a strong metabolism. So we want to use pulses to back up and make sure that our body temperature is approaching where we want it. And I don't think it has to be perfect, but it definitely needs to be on its way to that kind of good good zone um uh, and and not be constantly fluctuating i think that's the biggest thing is we want to really determine that our body has reached a place of kind of stability where we're not bouncing around and healing can kind of be like very up and down. And so when you're going through that healing journey and you're still kind of bouncing around between like really high highs and really low lows, that's not a good place to add any more stressors to your plate. You want to get to a point where you've created a little bit more stability and you're like, yeah, I'm in a pretty good place. And that's going to look like you have pretty stable energy throughout the day. Obviously there's going to be fluctuations. Um, you know, a good mood overall, good mental clarity, you're sleeping fairly well because sleep can definitely take a hit when you are starting fat loss. Um, you also want to be able to tolerate exercise. So if you can't tolerate any type of strength training, tolerate any type of exercise, then not a good place to try to lose fat. Um, you also want to, have pretty good blood sugar and pretty good digestive health. So you don't want to be like super bloated all day. You want to have pretty regular bowel movements. Um, and you want to start to see yourself feeling content, satisfied, happy, and warm. So you don't need to have perfect metabolic markers, but you definitely want to be in a more stable place. Um, and because you're not going to, you're going to have a really hard time losing fat. If you have no energy to work out, you're not recovering from your workouts and you can't poop like, and you can't sleep. Like you're, Those are all things I think like you're going to just be really miserable if you're not, if if you don't have those basic things down.
0: Yeah. I love when you speak about it because uh, I, I link it into training, you know, and building this training foundation. Like we can't squat heavy until we have range of motion and we learn how to create tension, motor control, coordination stability and then from there we can start to maybe add some weight and then we're slowly like building into that movement uh to reach the goal and when you speak about it it's the same thing it's like building a foundation of your house before you get to go in and do all the sexy stuff you know and, and fat loss is sexy yeah oh yeah but it's like the top you know uh like it's like interior designing of the house you know the fun bit with the colors and and it's exciting whereas you know what you're talking about is like the groundwork you know like you said it's actually really hard work to lose fat mass and I say the same thing about muscle mass it's actually really hard to build muscle
1: (laughs) yep it is I love the way that you just put that because it is true it's like you get to determine how easy or how hard it's going to be. So if you jump the gun, you totally can. It would be like jumping into just like a super heavy squat when you've never squatted before, but you might like break your back, you know, (laughs) and like you might never squat again. So it's just like one of those things where how easy do you want it to be? And then how lasting do you want it to be? Like I personally want to only do this once and then really like never have to do it again. Um, but some people just, want to do it like a thousand times I guess
0: (laughs) yeah and I love that you said that like how you know how easy do you want it to be because before we've often just taken the short way and that's like the quick fixes wanting to do it quickly just to get there and it does it can work for us for sure and we do you know we can lose weight uh, but then it's not sustainable. So it's, it brings it back to, well, it wasn't respectful. <laughs> you yeah. didn't respect the body uh, and it's not sustainable. So I wouldn't really call that, you know, losing fat loss in a healthy, sustainable way. So could we talk about how we actually do that? Say the body has found some stability, you know, we, we're ticking off, we've built this foundation and now we want to look at losing fat mass. How do we even start?
1: Yeah. So I, I usually say like, you have to kind of take some type of, um, census of where you are. So you have to now kind of go down the line of, of your habits and say, what's, you know, cause sometimes what has worked to get us to the place that we are is not going to necessarily work to get us to the place that we want to be. So just, because, oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, healing sometimes means like, providing the body a lot of abundance and a lot of stability. And that's going to look very different than like growth and change and shifting, but you don't always want to be like pursuing growth and change when you are trying to create stability. They're not the same thing. So I would say that take some census of where you are. A lot of people are, first of all, it's like macro balance is important. So a lot of people are in either a calorie surplus or just eating maintenance which is not necessarily a problem and i uh we can talk about deficits in in a second i actually think that deficits are the last resort so sometimes just a macro change can be really effective because different macronutrients affect our ability to burn energy and it does come down to calories in calories out but hormones and nutrients are going to affect how many calories we're actually burning and using and how we're using them. And so I usually say like, what are your macros at first? We've got to get your protein to a really good place where you are, um, able to build muscle or build tissue and your metabolism is supported. And so this can look like sometimes, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35% of your overall calorie intake, it just kind of depends. Um, and then oftentimes women's carb to fat ratio is really Mm. off. So they're intaking a lot more fat than they need, which fats are amazing. Fats bring in fat, soluble vitamins. They create a lot of stability in the cell, but they do provide nine calories or nine units of energy for every one gram we eat whereas carbs and protein only provide four calories so just by lowering your fats a little bit you often lower your overall calorie intake by a lot and you can actually sometimes even replace those fats with carbohydrates because you're still going to be in a little bit of a calorie deficit so oftentimes women are just eating a little bit too many fats mm-hmm. And then depending, they're usually eating like too little carbs or too little protein or a little bit too many carbs with their fat. So it's really about finding a balance of of macronutrients. And that can take a little bit of like shifting around and finding that. But a lot of times just lowering fats in and of itself can can really change body composition because now the body's actually able to build muscle and the metabolism is functioning a little bit more efficiently. Um, And then if that is not enough, you kind of have to now go into your movement and and be really mindful about movement. So movement and then strength training, I like to kind of separate them, even though I think it's like an overall holistic approach you know, you don't want to be sedentary all day long and then just like go work out for an hour. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not like grasping the point. So it's yeah. more about creating a little bit of movement in your life, um, whether that's like adding in walks or, you know, a standing desk, maybe, just depending on your your life and your lifestyle, like trying to fit in movement. So you're not kind of this like sedentary bumping along, just like, you know, with a bad posture and neck forward. Like you got to really... Yeah, start to move your body a little bit more. And then once you're doing that, then strength training is, is, uh, would be the next step. We're actually working to build some muscle.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we have two steps when we start. Yeah. We're looking at our macronutrients and just like our, our balance or our ratios. And we're yeah. paying attention to fat. I, the other day I was, cause I don't track at all, but I was doing something for one of my warrior women and I input just like my, intake for the day as an example and I looked at it I was just my fat was just like sky high there was it was just super high now of course there's just one day and but I it's really easy you know it's really easy to overeat on fat um it's in you know, if we're eating a lot of protein, it's in a lot of animal products, you know, it's in our dairy, we might be adding a bit of like butter or ghee. Yeah. So I was, I looked at, it, I was like, oh, your, your ratios are a little off today. <laughs> right
1: and honestly the healthier you are and this and the longer you've gone by healing your metabolism the more metabolically flexible you will be so you yeah. can use more fats um your muscle and obviously the more muscle mass you have the more fats you'll, you're going to use that that muscle needs fat so it is one of those things where it can definitely creep in for sure especially because we're just adding a pat of butter here and a pat of butter <laughs> here and it's like whoa, <laughs>
0: really <Yeah. laughs> really good <laughs> yeah. okay so that's I really like that that's a that's something to pay attention to so it's like the three macronutrients it's their balance but paying attention to maybe the fat yeah. uh and then the second one is moving more yeah. so and now that doesn't mean just you're a 45 minute workout or training session it means move your body like walking uh you know, maybe just being outside, playing with your kids, moving around during the day, getting up from your desk. And then the third one is looking at your training.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do believe strength training is the most effective way to change your body composition. But this is really important because a lot of people are like, well, I want to lose weight now. And so they'll opt for more like HIT or like CrossFit style training, something that's just go, 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 because it makes them feel like, oh man, I got a really good workout in. And it might actually, you know, help you achieve weight loss. But a lot of times with high intensity type work, you are losing a lot of muscle mass. Um, you can you're using a lot of sugar in your blood, uh, stored glycogen. And so you're really depleting your glycogen stores. And if you are losing any weight, it's often from muscle. Maybe it's a little bit of fat, but if you're working on strength training and actually building muscle over time, that muscle has an increased need for free fatty acids. So as we talked about before, you know, those fat cells are opening up, releasing free fatty acids into the bloodstream. We have muscle tissue there to just pick it up and use it. And that's, that is why muscle tissue works for us in the long run. And you see these women who have strength trained for years and years and years, they have a body composition that you want, right? They would look really lean, but they also, you know, have great curves, uh, great muscle definition. This is not from like you know, a 90-day boot camp. They've been lifting weights for years. And yes. over time they have gotten that body composition. It's not magic. It's actually hard work. And yeah. um the only way you're going to get there is through, which unfortunately there is a there is a point where you know you might have a little bit more fat on your body than you want and you haven't achieved that aesthetic quite yet, but keep going.
0: Yes, keep going. I love that, Jess. I was having a conversation yesterday with a woman and, you know, she was getting very frustrated and really impatient. She's had Mm. to spend the last 18 months, two years just healing her body. Mm. She has like 40 years (laughs) of... of healing to do. Uh, And then, you know, she's only just started to strength train. And I did say to her, like, this is the start of your journey. Like it's going to take another couple of years for you to really progress in your strength training. And I think that can be really hard. It can be hard to hear because it's been so long, you know, they felt unwell for so long or not comfortable and certain and confident in their body. And then they've done the work to heal. And that was so hard and exhausting. And then they get to this place where, you know, they're finally stable. And then I, you know, someone like me goes and tells them that, okay, well, you know, now we can start to like, really like lift and strength train and train hard, but it will take another couple of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's so frustrating. (laughs) It's also like, I try to remind people you, if you don't do it this way and you go off first, like, if if, you know, something inside you just says like, I want the quick fix and you go and try the quick fix. You're going to be right back in this place in four years from now. And it's still going to be four years. So do you want to start now? Or do you want to go try the quick fix, chase your tail for a little bit and then come back and start it? You know, so it's just a mindset thing. And I think, you know, you can, try to start building 15 houses or you can just work on building one house and five years from now you're either going to have like multiple houses that are unfinished or a really beautiful big finished house so
0: (laughs) I love that but you know in saying that like We get to see results along the way, like on a healing journey, you know, we get to see the energy come back. Maybe we get to see the cycle regulate itself. It's the same with training. You know, we get to see, but often we get so stuck because we haven't got where we want to go. You know, we haven't got the body that we have in the mind. And so we forget about all the small wins or how far we've come uh, in our healing and our training journey. What what about for a woman who, you know, she's been like healing her body and finding stability and her, her signs are, are pretty good. And she started to strength train, uh, but she's not, uh, noticing a difference in her body composition. She's not actually losing fat mass. What's going on?
1: Yeah. So I actually like to explore, like I said, I like explore to explore everything else before I explore a deficit. And sometimes it's just as much as like checking in with sleep, making sure progesterone production is good. Um, like you're ovulating and ovulating well, um, making sure you're getting enough light sunlight is really, really important for metabolism and then making sure you're getting like the fat soluble vitamins you need and the minerals you need. If all that is check, 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 and you also don't have like a ton of emotional stress or like emotional trauma that, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's a lifetime of buildup that emotional stress can really store because you have to always think of the body is trying to protect you. And so if you have a ton of emotional stress or trauma, and I've kind of narrowed it down to like three emotions fear, shame, and guilt, those, your body's really trying to protect you from them. And it can oftentimes insulate a lot of things. And so remember fat safety, fats, insulation. And so, um, and, and running from something, including yourself um, <laughs> is still a state of survival. So those are things that I think a lot of people just overlook and they can't lose the weight. And it's because their bodies physically does not want you to lose it until you deal with your crap. So once <laughs> once you deal, a lot of times I see this often cuz then the nervous system can calm down. And once the nervous system calms down, you can lose that belly fat. But if if you've done you're like I am just so frustrated and I've done everything and I can't lose the fat, then at that point a deficit can sometimes be appropriate. But oftentimes I find that a deficit is like the least necessary thing. Um, yeah. but I would say like when you do approach a deficit, it usually should be done. Um, so your goal is to get, to lower your calories, the least amount you need to start moving things in the right direction. Um, so sometimes that's only like a hundred calories and sometimes mm-hmm. that's more like 300 calories. I don't really like deficits of more than 300 calories you just find that that's kind of too extreme. Um, and I think that they should only be like, you should only stay in a deficit for about eight to 12 weeks. So if you do need to reduce by 300 calories, stay there for eight to 12 weeks and then start to reverse diet about 50 to hundred calories a week and get yourself back up to maintenance all the while watching those metabolic markers, because you very much could have lost, you know, some people can lose a pound a week uh, during a deficit. Some people lose a little bit less than that, like a half a pound or something like that, but you can definitely lose inches and you can be definitely seeing big changes in your measurements, which shows you that the fat is redistributing. So you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. want to just focus on what's going on on the scale because you might be in a deficit and not really see a big shift in the scale at all, but your measurements totally changed. So that still shows you that, that your body was doing a lot of work, um, taking fat, opening it up, putting it into muscle growth or, possibly even regenerating and and rebuilding your tissues or other things that your body uses fuel for besides just getting rid of it. And at, at the, the point where you're done with your deficit, you might actually need to raise your calories a little bit more than when you started because you are now have done a lot of metabolic work and now your metabolism is a little higher so use those metabolic markers to guide you through your deficit and then i personally after i've reverse dieted i wouldn't be comfortable starting someone on a deficit again for another like maybe four to eight weeks so i think there should be like a two two month diet break just staying at maintenance um, and most people don't need unless you have an excessive amount of fat to lose you really don't need to be a, As focused on fat loss as you do on muscle growth. So, you know, those women that are like, Oh, I have the 10 pounds and they're always like pulling their skin and they're like, I'm so fat, you know? And it's like, no, you just maybe just want to build some muscle. Usually muscle will take care of that. Like last 10 pounds, um, or, or you won't care about the 10 pounds six months from now, because you're going to have so much muscle and your body's going to look so different that you're going to be like, I look hot. Like it doesn't (laughs) matter. So if if some of us are like pursuing fat loss when we really actually need to be pursuing body
0: recomposition. Yeah, I love that. And that's what I tell my warriors all of the time. Okay. You want to lose fat mass. You, the focus needs to be on building muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you build muscle, you get that recomposition, you get the rejig and yes, potentially you do lose fat mass. uh, But the whole composition can change and the way that the body looks can change. And maybe the percentage of fat doesn't change a whole lot. It just like redistributes and it looks different to how it did before.
1: Yeah. And and this comes down to mindset. You know, a lot of us have gotten, so it's all about habits. And so a lot of us have gotten into the habit, the mindset habit of just hating our bodies. So we just sit there in the mirror and it's like, I hate this flabby piece right here and this, you know, bumpy piece over here, and this over here, and this over here, and so in our mind, we think the solution is just losing a part of ourselves. Like, oh, if I could just get rid of a part of myself, it'll be fixed. And I'm like, when in the history of man has that ever worked? <laughs> you can't lose a part of yourself. You can shift it, you can change it, you can grow it, but you're not going to be able to just like cut it off and just you know <laughs> be done with it. So I think people think like what well, that's what fat loss is. You don't actually lose fat. You use fat, and so you know it's not something where you're like, where are you? Like, where'd you go? I lost you. You know, (laughs) it's very specific place it's going. And so it's just kind of like a shift of mindset, like stop hating your body. Um, And stop trying to like get rid of it. The whole point is actually shifting and growing and changing. And that's just going to take small steps. Just like you would with a child, you know, you're not going to be like, you know, oh, you're crawling like, ah, it's not enough, you know, let's get going, get going, you know? And it's the same thing with us. Like we need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves.
0: A lot kinder to ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I really loved when you were talking about you know if I feel stuck and my markers are like I'm ticking off but it's still you know or maybe I'm even gaining more weight Mm -hmm. I love the emotional piece that you spoke to and I think we still want to blame ourselves for not doing enough with the food or the training uh, when we and we don't want to look at this other stuff and what I found in my work is that we need to be looking at the emotional, the trauma in the body, uh, the relationship to ourselves. And often, like you said, there's a lot of stuff like stuck in there. There's a lot of shit. <laughs> yep, it's just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And it totally can make
1: the journey feel um a lot less fun and also just a lot more frustrating because a lot of times when we have all those issues kind of just like in the background we create more because they're completely out of our control or we we perceive that they're out of our control we want to like just grab on to more control over here and so we often try to control the outcome like well, I'm working out and I'm eating perfectly and I still can't lose weight and it makes you start to feel out of control. And then, oh, these issues over here are like encroaching because you're starting to feel more out of control. And so it really does help you kind of have like a better mindset when you're going through um, your fat loss journey. Like you really do need to, do the work, trust the process, and then just like let go. Um, you because if you try to control every facet, you're just gonna be so miserable. Like, oh, I, need, I need so. you to
0: repeat that. I need you to <laughs> repeat that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, if you try to control every part of it, it's not going to turn out how you want it. And you're actually never gonna be happy. You're never like even if you achieve that quote unquote dream body that you've you know, that you perceive as your dream body, you're actually not going to be satisfied with it or happy with it because it was never the problem. You know, your body was never the problem.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really powerful. I think that's going to um, maybe stop some women in their walking tracks while they listen to this. (laughs) Uh, What about if uh, I get asked a lot about PCOS? You know, I have PCOS. Is it harder for me to lose weight?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't like to say like, oh, well you have PCOS. So you're going to have a harder time. XYZ PCOS is just a metabolic disorder. So it just usually is like a heightened state of a disordered metabolism or an imbalanced metabolism. And you might need to do a little bit more healing before you approach fat loss, just because it has like any type of disorder or disease is just metabolism that's spun out of control. How long has it spun out of control? A lot of times we're a little bit farther along than just say the lady over there that has PMS, but you know, her issues could have possibly spiraled into this as well. So instead of looking at yourself as like this, like, you know, unique unicorn where you're like, I have PCOS and so like, that doesn't work for me. It's like, no, no, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. And you just have to do a little bit of a, a of a gentler approach to yourself. And um, <laughs> sorry,
0: you're still a horse like the rest yeah. of us. Yeah. Not a unicorn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that you've been, t- and, and and it really is like, oftentimes women with PCOS are so, so, so often treated like, well, you have this condition. So therefore you just this is your pro, you know, you're gonna have a problem having kids, or you're gonna have a problem with this or X, Y, Z. But that's just to me, such a horrible approach because then these women are carrying this burden, this backpack, I like to call it, of just like, well, I'm just this unicorn living in a world of horses. I loved how you just said that. And it's like they just think like, well, that worked for that person, but it won't work for me, or that worked for that person. Well, but I have PCOS, so it won't work for me. And I'm like, not only is that like a prison to live in but it also just hurts you because um, the same stuff is going to work for you you know supporting your metabolism getting to the bottom of your blood sugar issues um it's just going to take a little longer and probably be a little bit more frustrating but you can do it yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and this is where i think it's so powerful to talk about the science and the biology You know, not the label or the condition, like let's go back to, and this is why I love your work, the science and the biology, the physiology, and let's actually understand it and be empowered by it. So when some doctor tells us that we have PCOS, that we actually understand what's going on. And then we are just a horse in the paddock with all the other horses. And we also need to like restore our metabolism you know, find that stability, look at our strength training, look at all our emotional crap that we have, Uh, just like every other horse on on their health journey.
1: Right, exactly. And I actually think like some people might say that that's too tough or like get offended, but I actually think that that is the mindset for me that got me out of the place that I was at because, you know, thinking that you're just different, it actually hurts you. It doesn't help you. And, um, a lot of people choose to identify themselves by the condition, which means that you're always, if that, if you make that a part of your identity, it's always going to be a part of your identity and you're never going to be able to, to get rid of it. But if you are who you are and you possibly have these imbalances, that means that you have control over changing them and shifting the narrative. So I I think it's just important to have an empowered approach to PCOS and not treat yourself super different.
0: Yeah, I talk about uh, back pain the similar way or being in pain. It's yep. very similar to me when you speak about it, when we're speaking about it, it's the same if, if someone went and got an MRI and they had a disc problem that they then attach to, well, no, like I have a, I have a disc problem or right. no, I have this wrong with me. And actually there are so many people, like I've had many like disc stuff going on with my back and I can still do all this amazing training. Cause I I'm not stuck in this place of being so afraid that I can't do anything because I have a disc problem. And I think it's very similar, you know, when we're going through something now, not taking away that the journey is not a little harder for sure. When someone has chronic back pain, it is hard. (laughs) When someone has PCOS, it is, it can be harder. uh, But the journey to move from, you know, being in pain to pain-free is similar for everyone. It's the same as if you have a massive hormonal imbalance or a small hormonal imbalance, the journey is very similar. It's just like the length of time that it can take.
1: Right. And I also remind people, and it probably applies to back pain as well. It's like, what do you want the outcome to be? So all of your hard work, you know, whatever route you choose is going to be hard its own type of hard, but what do you want your outcome to be? Because at the end of the day, you have to track back what's actually going to get you to that outcome. Cause it's all going to be hard, yes. but some of it's going to be hard and actually not result in the outcome that you want. And that's probably the worst kind of pain. And that will be more painful than what you're going through now or all the work it's going to take.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, how do you help women move through that? Like the feeling of it being hard? It seems that, you know, as humans, we don't really want to be uncomfortable. We don't really want it for it to be hard. We just want it to be easy. Uh, so, how do you help someone move through that or like come to terms with that? You know, it's going to be hard, it's going to take time.
1: Yeah, I think it's a process. And I think, you know, even me, like, you don't always get it until you're going through it, but it, it's just important to continue to remind people like, healing is not comfort. Um, whereas a lot of people, we live in a society of quick fixes or like kind of like m- our microwave society where it's like, oh, I did XYZ thing and it resulted in this. Yay, it worked, you know? Whereas healing is often very uncomfortable because you have all this junk that you have to move through. It's almost like wading through a river to get to the mm-hmm. other side. That journey is not going to be quite easy. Maybe parts of it are going to be easy and you're going to see the other side once in a while. And you're going to be like, oh wow, like it's so amazing, but you still have to continue forward. And so I think sometimes you could only tell so many like, people that it's going to be tough and you need to stick with it. I like to give you know, kind of some like milestones. So Mm. oftentimes, you know, at the three month mark, this is what's happening, you know? So once you start your, your healing journey in a hundred days, you know, you went from having a dormant uh, ovary in or dormant follicle in your ovary to now it's going to achieve a mature ovulation at that hundred day mark. So all your habits during that time is going to affect that. Population in a hundred days and then give yourself another hundred days and, you know, kind of take it like a quarter at a time. So three months at a time and looking at it that way, rather than like letting each day really shift your perspective. Cause days can be hard. You know, you can have a really good day and then kind of a crappy day. You can have a really good month and a really crappy month, but yeah. if you look over all your progress from three months, a lot of times you can look back and you can say, yeah, I've definitely shifted within three months, whether it's one direction or the other direction. And three months is a good amount of time to really give you like an overall shift.
0: Um, oh, I really like that.
1: Yeah, I, I always, I love the law of thirds. So split your day into thirds, split your, you know, you can even split your week into thirds, you know, because a lot of times people by Tuesday or Wednesday, they're like, ah, this week is gone to shit. And then they just give up for the rest of the week. And I'm like, well, you still got almost two thirds left, you know, or at least a half left. So keep going, you know, so split everything into thirds and it kind of makes it a little easier. Um, But that's, I think that the people just don't really understand how hard healing is going to be until they start. And then they start to say like, well, is this normal? And is this normal? And is this normal? It's like, yeah, like your body is shifting and changing and it's okay. And give yourself a little space and don't get so caught up on riding the, the seahorse. I like picture someone like riding a seahorse like, of, of symptoms, because if you do, you're just going to be like, Oh my gosh, this is the, you know, like you're going to have whiplash. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> I do not know why. It just like gives me the perfect like, you know Stewarts is just like kind of sit there and bob like <laughs>
0: I love that. This the symptoms of the seahorse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like a little whiplash, like you're like, oh, we're up, now we're down. Oh, we're up, now we're down. And it's just like you're gonna be so miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so stop trying to chase feeling better and start trying to chase like healing. And once you come to that mindset change um when you start to experience symptoms or you're going through whatever it is like for example in my life like i've been getting back into a strength training routine it's been a couple of months now but i've also been doing a ton of emotional work and a ton of like body type work just with my fascia and I have been getting tons of histamine symptoms all of a sudden, just histamine popping up. And I could look at it one of two ways. I could say, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And try to fix it. And like, you know, be on Google and say, like, what do I do for histamine? And, you know, and and be in all my functional books and, you know, doing all the, the things that I know. Or I could say, like, this is my body's way of dealing with junk. Junk is being released to my system and my body's dealing with it. And I actually like that my body's responding with that alarm response because I know that the stuff that's coming out of my tissues is not pretty. And so histamine is simply an alarm response and it's dealing with it. And so those are two different ways of looking at it and... If I was five years ago, Oh, I'd be freaking out right now. I'd be saying, what am I doing wrong? And Oh my gosh, everything I've been doing up until this point is not working. Like every, you know, is it the dairy? Is it the gluten? Is it the sugar? You know? And now I know like, Oh, this is just my body's way of dealing with crap. And so we're going to work through it. And it's not necessarily comfortable. It's not necessarily fun. Like, You know, it just is. And, you know, maybe three months from now, it'll be a little bit better. Maybe six months from now, it'll be a lot better. And um, I just have to kind of not ride the symptom wave.
0: That's so powerful. Uh, So let's tie up our seahorse and look at it more in like three month chunks. And I think it's going to loop back around to where we started. You're changing the language. You're changing the story of it by shifting that shifting your perspective that's going to be really powerful and really help instead of being stuck like okay it's wrong now i have to take out all my dairy and i have to do this and i have to do that it's more okay this is what the body's telling me you know uh and changing that that language or that story
1: Yeah, and that goes back to those three emotions I said, which was fear, shame, and guilt. So oftentimes we'll resort quickly back to those emotions when we're experiencing something that's uncomfortable. And there doesn't need to be any fear. Um, You don't need to be ashamed that you did anything wrong, and you don't need to be guilty about it. Um, You're not doing anything wrong, you're actually doing what's right. And so, really work to actually shift that narrative so you're not shifting back to those really negative emotions that are going to keep you sick. Um, and, and remember that there's also going to be a lot of people preying on you using those emotions because they haven't done that work either. So a lot of people in the health and wellness world like to use language that invokes fear or invokes shame or invokes guilt. And that's going to keep you just in this never ending cycle. So jump out of it, get out of there. You don't need to be there anymore.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, finishing our conversation, we have this like this vision of this end goal or where we want to be and how we want to feel, but like it's not perfect. There is no perfect. All we can do is learn about our body, uh, create stability within our system, but we're not like that all the time. There's days where my body is really unstable or I had a shitty sleep or, you know, there's periods in my life where you know, it's symptoms and and certain things are going to come up and my body's going to tell me something. But, you know, if I trust it and I understand it and I listen to it and I respond to it, nourish it, I'm always going to keep like moving forward. But I think we have this this, this, uh, story or this thought that we're going to reach this place and then we're just going to be like, balanced (laughs) (laughs) no
1: we live in a very dynamic body nothing is static and you know fortunately and also unfortunately but i'm i'm not a statue and i don't sink to the bottom of the ocean so that that's a positive
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) anything
1: else that you want to add I mean, I, I think that was a great conversation. I, uh, I, I do believe that fat loss is kind of one of those things where, um, in our heads, we think it's like a 90 day challenge or, you know, a, a quick, cause we're so used to seeing those before and after pictures, but it actually may be a very like nonlinear journey. And along the way, it's okay. If you decide that you don't actually care about losing your fat anymore. Um, I see it happen a lot. It's happened with myself as well. You know, there have been times in my life where I achieved the body that I want and I actually, it really sucked the way that I got there. And so I didn't really care about it anymore. And then I am not there anymore. Um, so it's okay. and Give yourself permission. If you start out with one goal and you come out on the other side with a completely different goal, That's that's a good thing. It means you've grown.
0: Beautiful. Let's end there. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you so much for your time, for your passion, for your knowledge, and for helping so many women navigate this, what can feel like, you know, a very shitty hard journey. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I appreciate your time so much. I'm, I'm excited to share this with everyone because I think, um, well, more people need to uh, listen to Warrior School. And then, uh, you know, I think this episode will be really helpful for a lot of people.
0: Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaway. Hey, Warrior Woman. So this training, nutrition, and health stuff has challenged you at your deepest level. And now you feel stuck. Maybe you've missed regular training for over a year due to an injury, and you feel scared to start training again. Maybe you've tried so many programs, but they didn't work. So now you feel tired, overwhelmed, out of shape, and weak. I believe this stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard. I also believe that we should all feel strong and confident. So I pulled on all my knowledge and my experiences over the last decade and created Warrior School. In Warrior School, I help you swap confusion and overwhelm for a plan to get stronger and healthier. And who doesn't love a good plan? Inside Warrior School, I will teach you the key metabolic nutrition principles to give you energy and support your training. I teach you how to approach training to get stronger and get those results that you want. And I teach you how to regulate your cycle and use it as a tool to support your training. I invite you to become a part of Warrior School in three simple steps. Fill out the application form on my website, Book a free discovery call where we talk about your training and your goals. Three, start training today to get stronger and healthier.